So I got to finish last week. And, and I know, sorry about how long it took me last week, but I gotta, I'll take a couple weeks to, to deal with this because this is a question that came up on question and answers. But this is what we talked about last week. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, and it says, he used the word that, that he liveth to make intercession, but he came to the uttermost, wherefore he is able also to save them even to the uttermost that come unto God by him through Christ. The uttermost. Panelist is a word for this. Whatever the circumstance or the situation, that God has all power to save, secure, and satisfy whom he wills with no possibility over time that his power can diminish. That is the word for uttermost. And I went through a long time last week about uttermost. And he's telling you that, that God had created power and what he had the same power to make heavens and the earth, he has more power to finish what he started. You become weak, you become weary, and you get tired. God does not. Amen. How many knows the older we get, the tireder we get? Susan barely had, years ago, Susan would go, me, now that she just barely gets it up there. I understand. Young men shall lose their strength, Isaiah said. Strong men shall faint, but those that connect themselves to God will renew their strength. It's called call off. It means exchange strength with God. God, this is what I'm trying to tell you, that God has the same mighty power to start something as he has to finish it. And he has more than enough power to finish what he began. So this is where we begin this morning. This came up, so here we go. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing that we also are compassed about with such of a great cloud of witnesses. So this was a Wednesday night question, but because we don't have near enough time for Wednesday night, I want to address this for two weeks, five minutes or 10 minutes today, and then an hour and 40 minutes next Sunday. So we're going to get the short one out today. Are we living in the last days? The apostle Paul thought he was. In Greek definition, he means the last of the last days. And if we are, now I need you to pay attention for once in your life. Because I don't really preach on eschatology. I know a little bit about it, but it really causes a ruckus in the church. About like tithing. I'd ask you who are faithful tithers here. And if you don't raise your hand, it would really cause a civil war because it would shock you. You'd be shocked. If you do tithe, thank you. This is the only way we can do this. But eschatology is right up there with tithing and giving. But if we are living in the last days, as Paul said, then I want you to know, and Paul thought he was, that there are more eyes on us in our walk of faith than ever before in history. If we are living in the last days, and Paul said it, he was living in the last days, but if so, then there are more eyes on us and our walk of faith than ever before in history. And matter of fact, in the last days, referred to as violent days, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, he used the word kapalos, is the word for fierce or violent, the two demons of the gatherings. We're living in a demonic, violent, fierce society right now. Right now, Paul was, 
And he's telling you that as days go on, not only that evilness will get bigger, but the power of God will get stronger. That's where you're missing it. That's where Christians are missing it. All you want to talk about is how evil it is. I'm telling you, according to the evilness that God will counterbalance us with the greater of his might and his strength. So if in the last days we're in violent days that the world had never seen, says the scriptures, then pretty obvious that we're going to need greater power and a stronger faith than any other time in recorded history. In a four-man relay, the guy behind you is always faster. In a four-man golf scramble, anybody played one of those? Jordan said, he, he, he gave it one talk one time, he said, my son, he goes, I, 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 they invited me in a four-man golf scramble because there wasn't a three-man golf scramble, so they asked him to play. But in a four-man golf scramble, and I played a buku of them, they always save the best for the last. That's what it is. Your best player hits last because the first three, they can clunk it and they'll say, oh yeah, you got it. Well, you know, thanks a lot. If we are living in the last days, then are we not some of the last players? And if we are the last players, then is not more eyes on us than ever before in history. Starting with these great heroes of faith, and we're going to hit and miss about this, but this is what I want you to tell you all the way from, from, from Abel to Noah to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and we can read their report card, and they're going to say, we missed it here, and we clunked it there, and we knocked it in the water there, but we're rooting for you. We're watching over you. We're praying for you. You are the last, the last of the generations that are setting the stage for not only the Antichrist to come, but Christ to come, and I'm here to tell you this morning, if we are in the last days, there is a cloud of witnesses that are watching us that's greater than ever in the history of time. The Christian life is a marathon, not a 40-yard dash. I don't care how fast you can run the block. Can you do that for 25 years? Churches are popping up all over town and all over the country, and three years later, they're popping down. Why is that? I have no answer. But people that come in here and pop around like jack-in-the-box and off they're gone, you don't see them for six months, I'm not even speaking to you. It's the people that contend for the faith, the faith, people that endure hardship, people that, that endure opposition and friction on a weekly and a monthly and a year basically, day in and day out. Here's the good news. You are not alone in this thing. There are more eyes watching me today than there were eyes in heavenly places watching Abraham. There are more saints in heavenly places praying for me today than there was in the Apostle Paul's days. I read something today. I don't know. I got it off series. So I don't know if she knows. I don't know. I don't trust her on directions. I only trust my wife on directions. That's what it is. There's about 8.2 billion people on planet Earth right now. But she said, or it said, or whatever it may be, so there's somewhere there's been a discrepancy between 115 and 119 billion that have lived and died. A hundred and twenty billion people 
has lived and died up to today. 120 billion, 15 times the population of planet Earth. Now, where did all these people go? I don't know. And don't start the calculation of how many percentage you think went to heaven because you don't know. There's two things for sure. There is a God and you're not him. So just leave that alone. I'm telling you, there was 120 people since creation, they say, that have lived and died. And I'm telling you, if they lived and died, that we believe they, they go immediately to the Christ. And I'm telling you that these are these cloud of witnesses that is praying for you, believing for you. And I'm going to tell you what else that they're doing. So the word clouds is a word called naphos, which means clouds, clouds. But in Greek literature, in ancient time, when the Greeks wrote this, it was used to describe seats in a stadium. Okay? Seats in a stadium. The highest seats that the stadium had in the offer. As a matter of fact, it was called seats in the clouds. Now, if today's language, we'll use this word, nosebleed. Nosebleed. So on the nosebleeds, it means you're way up there. I mean, it looks like a bunch of ants running around. It's got a pretty good view, but it looks like a bunch of ants running around. Clouds, when the ancient Greeks wrote this, the word clouds, naphos, means like Clouds, and we understand that, but clouds was referred to as the highest seats in the stadium. So if you walked into the Colosseum, you would hand your ticket to the usher and the usher would look at you and the first thing he would say, he would say things. Oh yeah, you're sitting in the clouds today. And I got on this in first lesson four and 17 about the Lord shall come down in clouds, but we're not going to talk about that. We're talking about a, a group of people in a stadium. Their seating was in the clouds. So first of all, the word clouds means it's the highest place in the stadium for a seat. Viewing a sporting competition. Number two, the word compassed. Two words, peri kamehi. The word peri, it means to, it means around or to have a circle. Peri means a circle or to be encircled by, where we get a word peripateo or to dance. Pateo means to dance. So it means to step in circles where we get the word for dance. But kamehi means to lie down, to be piled up, to stacked up on top of one another. It means layers and levels. It's kind of like a spiritual holy hoarders. We got stuff stacked everywhere. So when he says that we have this great cloud of witnesses that are compact around us, in English language you're saying this, that people that have lived and died in the faith that's gone before us, they've moved to a, a higher atmosphere. They moved to a, a higher place in the heavens. And they're watching. And not only is they have moved, but there's so many of them that they have encircled the stadium and there are people on top of people, on top of people, on top of people, on top of people, and on top of people. Now, a lot of you don't know this, but I, 
I went to a couple of Dallas games. I don't know why, but, you know, who cares? I know. But OU, I like it. It holds about 85,000. 85,000, that stadium, give or take three, give or take. Now, the Jayhawk, it'll hold seven, but 85,000. But, but you're looking at it. We sit in the nosebleed, but you're looking up and you go, there, there is almost four times the population of Ardmore, over three, in this little stadium. It looks like your closet. It looks like your wife's shoe closet. Not my wife, your wife. I mean, we got stuff stacked up and piled up. And he said, what are you saying? Watch this. God said, you're not seeing the big picture. You think it's little pathetic you and your little world and your little thing and your little box. He said, listen, there's been billions of people that lived this life and honor me and glorify me. And I, and I, I drew their spirit to me. And now then they have filled the heavens. And, and not only they filled the heavens, the heavens is circled with them. And not only that, they're piled upon one another. Just because you don't see them doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And so Paul says, seeing this or understanding this, that we have all around us, lying around, stacked up, piled up on top of examples of individuals that have been recorded in Hebrews chapter number 11. So in the Greek manuscripts, there's no such things in chapters and verses. So he is writing about the heroes of faith in chapter 11. And he starts off with a boom and he starts with Abel. And boy, he goes right down the list to, to Abel, to Noah, to Moses, to Abraham, Jacob, and Joseph, and, and all the, and he goes right down to, to David and, 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 and Jephna and Samuel and all these warriors. And he lists this great heroes of faith. And what he's telling this church is here that they are under great attack by Nero. He said, but this is the deal. You have no idea who's watching you. There's tons of examples that are stacked up and piled up wherever you can look. There's not a one of you this morning that is going through something and every one of you are going through something, but there's not a one of you that cannot take a trip to the Bible and find someone that's experienced the same thing you're experiencing. I'll prove you wrong every stinking time. Somebody said, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about cats. It doesn't say anything good about cats. So there you go. Don't get one. Loneliness, depression, fatigue, Abandonment, betrayal, it's all there. He recorded all of these things that you would not feel like you're alone. That you're one of a kind. Have you ever heard them people go to the doctor? I, you know, it's funny. I'm not going to look at you. You go to the doctor and, and you say, how was it? Well, the doctor said this. He's never seen anything like this in his whole life. Oh, you're kidding. What is it? I'm a Longhorn fan. No, that's not what he said. You know, they, 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 they want you to believe it like they're, it's, it's so special that, that they don't even know what it is. Oh, you're kidding. No, no. Instead of going to the doctor, what did the doctor say? I got a runny nose. He said, you, he said you, can, you can, let me give you a shot and in 14 days you'll get better or you can just stay home and in two weeks you'll get better. Either way, it don't matter. 
See, your enemy always want to tell you that what you're going through, that it's unique and it's oscillated and nobody knows what you're feeling. Number one, that's a lie from hell. Jesus experienced everything that we can identify with him on the cross. And number two, he wants you to feel like that you're all alone in this and you're not alone. There's nothing new under the sun. There's no new sin. Go back and read Leviticus. They're sleeping with sheep. No, they're sleeping with their sisters. There's nothing new back then. Nothing. No new sin. God dealt with it a little different. No new sin. And what I'm trying to tell you is the fact that these people were recorded of everything they went through in life. So today, you and I, when we go through things, that we know that somebody has been through the same thing of divorce, death, betrayal, whatever it may be. These people that they went through this, and watch this, Hebrew 11 says what? They kept the faith. Am I in the right church? I can be somewhere else. You know that, don't you? They kept the faith. Above all, keep the faith. You can, you can lose your wife, but keep the faith. You can lose your husband, keep the faith. You can lose your job, keep the faith. You can lose children and grandchildren, but you better keep the faith. You can lose your place in, in, in society, but you, one thing is sure, you better keep the faith. Because when it comes right down to it, it'll all leave us one day. Good looks and, 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 and trim bodies, it'll all leave us. But you'll need the faith. Is the faith that'll keep you. Yeah. So Hebrews chapter 11 says, who by faith, Watch this, that these, their souls took them where their eyes could not see to go. Hebrews chapter 11 is all about men and women whose souls took them where their eyes could not see to go. These biblical heroes of faith are people just like you and I who trusted God and they won their battles and now they are in the highest seats in the stadium they're in the clouds. And what are they doing? They're rooting for us. Now, I want you to pay attention to me. I don't talk like this much. I don't get off in fabricated fairy tales, but they have been taken to the highest seats in the stadium. And not only is their spirit that went back to God, somebody said, well, their body's in the ground. Well, how long did that take you to figure that out, Junior? I mean, we know that. But the Bible said, but their spirit went back to God where it came from. See? So if their spirit went back to God where it came from, then what are they doing up there? They're in the highest seats in the stadium. What's this? Not only watching us in the last days, but rooting for us. Ooh. Are we living the last days? Yes. And wouldn't it, wouldn't, wouldn't it stand the reason we're not repeating this sermon, but we know that in the last days, the scripture says there'll be times of evilness and darkness that, that even men's heart will fail them. In the last days, there'll be more fierce than ever before. In the last of the last days, there'll be more darkness and more separation and these things. And so if we are living in those last days, and we are, then does it make more sense that it's going to take a greater might and power and strength to overcome greater darkness and destruction? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. That's why greater anointings is being 
possessed by the people of God because of the times that we're in. So the idea is you may say, well, why is this verse so important? And here's the answer that we are not alone in our struggles. All of these people in Hebrews chapter 11 and everybody that's died before us has died before us and they're watching and they're cheering us on. So I went to sleep watching Dallas last night, but here's the deal. In most sporting events, it's filled with fans and previous players of that sport and those people are clapping, cheering, and even calling some people's names out in support. They're saying stuff like, you, sometimes they say, you bomb, but they don't say that. We're talking about, we're being positive. These people that go to these football games and basketball games, we're going to say football games. They're probably people that either they love the sport or they played the sport. Either one. Now, you can tell, you can tell the wives that don't want to be there, you know, but they're there because they have a love for the game. And I love all types of music. I really do. I mean, I'm, I'm not good at any, but I, I just, I'll hear stuff and I'll just listen to it. I mean, it's just, I don't care about the words at all. I just like the music to it. But people that love the game, love football, they love to go. They want to go. They want to go. And when they get there, when they really love the game and they get there, and they don't matter if they're on the front row or the, up in the clouds, I'm telling you, they're there for a reason. They are cheering they are clapping. They'll even paint their hair blue to support Dallas. Really? Screaming, yelling, throwing popcorn, giving people high five. And you know what he's saying? And so let's say one of the players is named Jim Tom. And he don't even know Resendez. And you know what Resendez is going? He goes, Go, Jim Tom, you can do it. You can do it, Jim Tom, go. And he don't even, he, he doesn't even know Resendez is, is talking to him. But you know what he's doing? He's rooting for him. He's clapping for him. He's cheering for him. He said, you can do this. You can do this. You've been trained to do this. I watched you in college. You, you're an athlete. You can, you can do this. These people that have died before us, and now they're in the presence of God. Not only are they in the presence of God, but I don't need you to answer this. What in the world do you think they're doing up there? And don't say that they're setting the table for you. They're not. They're not. My mother and father both. They have moved to the, the clouds. They moved to the high seats in the stadium. And I'll tell you right now, my grandfather and my great-grandfather was a circuit preacher I heard, never laid eye on him. But I'll tell you one thing. I'm that fourth man in the relay. I'm faster and I'm quicker than my father ever was. And my children back there, they'll surpass me. Don't you forget it. My grandson, Alex, he'll pass us all. Why? Because the amount of force that comes in resistance is the amount of force that God will give in greatness. Hear me loud and clear. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ, they, we, they may be going through some struggles in religion, but the church of Jesus Christ, we've never lost who we really are. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. All power and authority has been given to me. You can play religion all you want to. I don't care. So some of you know this, the, the one on my right, not the guy on the left, but the guy on my right, that's my son Jordan. 
We call him Shorty. He's 6'4 and 285 or 265, whatever he is. But we always call him Shorty. So he was in T-ball about, and you know this, but I'm getting somewhere with this. So first year he played T-ball, he was four. Ah, he was pathetic. He looked like his mother hitting the ball in. So I said, listen, here's the deal. I know she's pretty good. She plays softball, so I shouldn't say that. I told him, I said, here's the deal. In between four and five years old, about like where Alex is coming up, I bought him a tee. I said, here, I had a big backyard. I said, here, you hit this. You just, just hit it. You don't have to do any homework. You don't have to mow the lawn. All I want you to do is hit baseballs. Boy, that was a, that was a sweet deal for him. Now, his brother didn't like it, but he liked it. He'd out there and hit, and then, and then he'd come in the dog and door, and he goes, I got to go. I got to go across the street. I, I said, what are you going to cross fence? And I said, what for? And he goes, I knocked all the balls over. I said, from where? And he said, right there. I said, oh, you did not. I mean, it's from here. It was from here to, I don't know, past the angel food. I said, really? So come T-ball season, here he comes. And you know, he was a little, he was built like a sack of cement. And I said, here's the deal, Ham. He played first base because on first baseman, you don't have to run after anything. You just hold your glove. He's left-handed. He's, he's good at it. I said, I'll pay you $5 a home run over the fence. We're not talking about hitting the ball, the pitcher's mound, and you running around. I said, you got to hit him over the fence. $5. $5. We shook on it. So they called him the hammer. And the record, Janet was the YWCA, YMCA athletic department there. She said the record was two. He hit 23, launched them. I mean, launched them. And, and when people kind of heard in those six, seven games what the bet was or what the deal was that my wife was quickly to spread this rumor around, then, then they kept going, hammer, hammer. And, you know, he'd look at me and he'd go, cha-chink, and he'd go hammer. And, and boy, I'd be, boom, you know, and. I'd get a second job just to pay for it, the kids. But I will tell you, as a spectator and a father in the stadium, my son never heard this come out of my mouth. You'll probably strike out, son. It's okay. Everybody does. You're pathetic. You deserve to lose. Son, you're an embarrassment to me when you run the bases. Even though that I was up in the stands, he never heard these words come out of my mouth. You know what he heard? He heard the crowd go, hammer, hammer. And then they, the doom, 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 hammer. And he'd get up there and he, and he kicked the ground, looked like he's a bull coming out of a new gate. And he spin on his glove and he'd give me the sting guy. He'd, he'd make money all game long. By doing so, by speaking to him, rooting for him, you know what I was doing? I was giving him confidence and courage and the will to make five more dollars off his old man. 
You see this morning that Hebrews 11 is about a bunch of folks just like you and I who faced the impossible and accomplished the unthinkable. And now they stand in the stadium in the clouds as proof that we can make it too. And I'll tell you what they're doing. They're cheering us on the victory. They're encouraging us to keep the faith. And if we'll just listen with the ears of faith as we read these men and these ladies' biographies in Hebrews 11, I think we will hear this cloud of witnesses will say to us, go for it. You can do this. Faith in God will carry you through. You are not alone. I need somebody real quickly to go get bus for me. Catherine, go get bus quickly. My father was the golfer, and I never really started playing until I was out of college, and, but I could play, but I hated it, but I could play. But my father was so complimentary. He, he was so complimentary, and, and what a knucklehead I, I was. But he was always encouraging. Even when I hit a bad shot, he said, oh, it's, I hit one in the water one time in the tournament. He said, you know what? I've never seen anybody hit the water as good as that was hit the water. My father was so complimentary, so good, so gracious. Some of you say, well, I didn't like it. I didn't care. I didn't ask you if you liked it. My father was, he was a straight up guy. He loved God. He, he, he loved those that loved God. He, but he was always so complimentary. He wasn't self-centered. He wasn't arrogant. He, he was a giver. And when I first started the church a long time ago, I told him about it. And he said, are you sure? And I said, I'm sure. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, we'll pray and support you however we need to. But even this day that I, I, I know that my father is in heaven. This is my grandson, Buzz. Hold him right there. And I know my dad right now is looking down from heaven. And this is what he's saying. You can do this. You can do this. This is Buzz. Stand him up. Stand him up. Come on. Let him go. Let him go. Come on, Buzz. Buzz, right here. Don't, don't scare you. Come here, Buzz. Come here, Buzz. Turn him around. Come here. Yeah. Bring him here. Here. Come to Papa. Come on. Oh, you're so good. With unskilled legs, two things will never come out of my mouth when he's trying to get to me. Number one, I hope you fall. And the second thing is, right before he gets to me, that I will turn my back on him.
You've believed a lie. Churches have taught you a lie. The Holy Spirit and the cloud of witnesses that are in heaven, they're not hoping you will fall. They're clapping saying, you can do this. You can make it. And even though on the way you get confused from me to Danny DeVore, we'll still turn you around and head you in the right direction. That God will never turn his back on his people. Never. We are surrounded. Watch this. He won't go back. You know, watch this. It's pretty funny. You want to go to Mama? <laughs> in our walk of faith with unskilled legs doing our very best without, without great control over our movement yes sir we'll get spun around and turned around and I understand but here's the deal that there's nobody in heaven that has lived before you and gone and ascended to the highest place in the stadium would ever say, I hope you fall. I can't wait till you goof up. That doesn't happen. That's only demons that operate in religious people do that. God, by the Holy Spirit and these people now that have been raised and elevated into a heavenly place and, and they're, we're being surrounded, there's stockpiles of people that have died and gone before us, but they're in heaven and in heavenly places, but what they're doing, they're going this. You can do this. You can do this. I stubbed my toe, but God's more powerful than you than he was in me. You can make this. You can do this. You can accomplish this. Come on. We're rooting for you. Hammer, hammer. You can do it. And on the way, if you kind of stumble or you get hung up, God will never turn his back on you. He loves you. And I will never turn my back on this boy. Because the nature of God's in me that he would never turn his back on his son. So we all this morning, Darren at a young age lost his mother. A man walked into a florist shop and shot his mother in the back of the head at 14 years old. Great godly woman. Can't do anything about that now, but I'll tell you one thing. As kind and as loving as she was to those kids, she's in heaven now. And she's just, she's not just dormant somewhere. She's whispering your name, Darren. And by faith, if you can just hear her, she would tell you, I love you. Heaven is worth it. I'm praying for you. Son, you're going to make it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, every one of us this morning has lost someone. And it hurts and it's painful. But just because we lost them here on earth, by no means has God lost them. 
And by no means are they incarcerated somewhere in a closet or a box. Their spirit was moved to the highest seats in the stadium where there's billions upon billions upon billions of people that have lived the faith. And now they're praying together, encouraging together, watching together, holding hands together, clapping together, watching us in the last days. My father used to say that I'd always hit last in the scramble. My father, he'd, he'd look at me, he said, it's up to you, son. This is what he would say. We put the whole world on your shoulder. It's up to you. I'm telling you this morning here on earth that we have struggles, but I'm telling you, we are not alone. There are great crowds of witnesses that have gone before us in the highest seats of the stadium that are praying for us, encouraging us, watching us, clapping for us because those two were contenders of the faith in, in their lifetime. And I think you're going to hear them say, you can make it. God is with you. He's patient and he's kind. He rejoices and he celebrates over you. He'll never turn his back on you. That's the God that we serve in Jesus' name. And all the people of God said, Amen. Isn't God good? Stand to give the Lord a praise offering with me this morning. The Lord is good today, huh? So, Catherine, you see, we're not alone. My mom, my dad, my grandparents, you got them. They're cheering for you. Mike Robin is cheering for you. At night, you can hear her voice. Sweet dreams. There's some times in our lives that we can almost sense that they're right in our presence because they really are, because they're part of the Spirit of God. The wind blows sometimes and we feel like that's God blowing across the back of our neck, but really it's, it's the spirit of our loved one that we knew that are now part of the presence of God. And they're just reminding us that God is with us. So my friend, this morning, before we take Holy Communion, you may be like my grandson, Bus. You may just start it with unskilled legs, uncoordinated talents, but I'm telling you, you just keep headed to Christ. And we're going to encourage you. We're going to be patient with you. We're going to love you. And we will never turn our back on you. Communion service, please come this morning. We celebrate Holy Communion every week. It's a reminder 
of what Christ did upon the cross for us. And now he, Hebrews 7 25 says, he liveth now to make intercession for us. If you're not aware of it, the word intercession is hupotongo is where we get the closest word for intersection. We are going one way, but God intersects us and brings us to a place where we make a commitment to him. Jesus is always intersecting our wrong turns, our wrong words, our wrong actions. And before we take communion, I'd like to take about 30 seconds, if you would, please. Father, for all this tragedy that happened in, in Maui, these children that were burned alive, the thousands that are missing that the media is not talking about, children's bodies that were found huddled upon one another, the fire got them. children's bones that was found on top of their dogs or cats just to protect them before the fire consumed them. We have no words. Father, for the two young man and young woman that was killed Saturday morning south of Wilson. We really don't have words for that. But I was just praying by your mercy and your grace that you have granted them eternal life in your presence. And I pray for the families. I pray for our nation. I'm praying for those that are behind pulpits that they would keep the faith and stay the course and always honor God in what they're doing. That night Jesus sat with his disciples and he took the bread and the cup and he said, this, this bread your fathers ate. They ate of it in the wilderness, but they did hunger again. But he said, I am the bread of life that my father has sent down. And if any man should eat of me, he shall never hunger again. And he took the cup and he said, this is, this is the lamb's blood. And the first Passover, they would take the lamb's blood and put it in the shape of a cross. The death angel would pass over that night. And Jesus said, now I am the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and my Father will take my blood and place it in the shape of a cross. And if any man believeth in me, he shall have everlasting life. So once again, we have the opportunity and privilege to celebrate Holy Communion. Father, bless this bread and bless this cup. And all that partake of it will find life eternal in Jesus' name. Amen.